For those of you that want to get a Bible, uh, get one and follow along. Otherwise, they'll be on the screen. Let's turn for a reading to Ecclesiastes 12 and 1. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. As I was working on this, I got to counting, uh, and we have around 30 young people. And I'm saying from 25 down. That leaves me out. Uh, but anyhow, we have that many young people, and that's a blessing. I mean, that is absolutely wonderful. So I thought it'd be good to study on a topic of what God expects of our youth. I was a little selfish. I thought, yeah, I'm not a youth. I can kind of blast the young people and I can sit back and say, yeah, yeah, that's right. But as I studied, I thought, hmm, you know, that, that affects me. I need to be doing that. So I subtracted two letters from our topic. Now it's what God expects of you. So when we get through, tell me which is right. I, I, I'm not sure. So we've got several things we need to talk about. And first of all, I think God has a right to expect things from every one of us here. So let's think about that. Genesis 1 and 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let's pay attention to the plural words here. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. I believe this is talking about God in the beginning and Jesus was with him and the Holy Ghost. So we're made after a likeness of God and Jesus. We have a soul similar to the Holy Ghost that lives on for eternity. And God is our creator. He breathed into our nostrils a breath of life. He's, he's our maker. He has a right to expect things from us. Let's like some of the things as we go along, and I'm going to start out easy and, and maybe get a little harder as we go. Be yourself. Matthew 6 and 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to its height? You know, God made us. He made some of us good-looking without hair. He made some of us tall, short, and whatever. But let's think about our spiritual growth. You know, in Matthew 25, we talk about the parable of the talents. He gives some of us the ability to sing better than others. Uh, that wasn't me. He gave some of us the ability to pray better than others. That wasn't me. He gave some the ability to preach better than others. That wasn't me. But just like the one talent man, we're supposed to try. If we don't use what we got, we'll lose it. 
If we use what we have, we'll increase. So that's what I'm saying here. Be yourself. An example. In a, over in 1 Samuel, you remember the story about David and Goliath. Goliath is a giant, maybe 10 foot tall, and he is making fun of the army of Israel. He says, send somebody out. We'll fight. Winner take all. Everybody was afraid. David is a shepherd boy. He's bringing food to his brothers, and he says, I'll go. King Saul says, you're, you're a kid. You can't do that. He said, no, I'll go. If God's with me, who can be against me? So they give him a shield and a sword, and he says, I don't know how to use that. I don't know how to use a sword. So he picked up rocks, went out with his slingshot, and down came Goliath. He was being himself. We need to be the same way. We need to be ourselves in whatever we try to do. Let's talk about Jesus for a minute and the dedication he had. In Luke 2 and 49, and he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish you not that I must be about my father's business? If you remember Joseph and Mary, I think it went to Jerusalem to worship. They travel one day away from there. Where's Jesus? They presumed he was with the other kids. He wasn't there. He was back in the synagogue learning from the religious leaders. So they traveled back to get him. He told them, I need to be about my father's business. He was 12 years old. You young people here, don't you need to be about your father's business? You old people here, don't you need to be about your father's business? He created us. He expects things of us. 1 Timothy 4 and 12, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come get of attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Your dedication shows in the way you act. It shows in the clothes you wear. It shows on your speech. It shows on how helpful, how nice you are. It shows on the people you run around with. Your dedication shows. And I think an old person and a young person ought to be give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. All right, we got one now for the kids. Ephesians 6 and 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou may livest long on the earth. I don't have to obey my parents. They're not here. But you, kiddos, your mom and dad make rules for a reason. I'll give you an example. A lot of years ago, our son comes running into the house crying. And his mama says, what happened? He says, Linda spanked me. Why did Linda spank you? Well, I had my tricycle on the highway. We had a rule, don't go down the highway. Them rules was for his good. A tricycle has no match for a Mack truck. So the neighbor later spanked him. 
He came in. I think he got another spanking because he broke the rules. Parents make rules for a reason. Proverbs 22 and 6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've seen this happen through the years. Parents, when you bring a child into this world, you have an awesome responsibility to train them. Think about this. Now pay attention because this is not the Word of God that I'm doing now. I'm going to add two words. Do not train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is true too. Think about it. This is true also. Whether you do or don't, there's a lot of things at stake. So let's think about that for just a little while. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou layest down, and when thou risest up. Mom and dad, is this describing you? Is this the way it is in your home? Let me give you an example of not doing that. And when we get to negative examples, it's usually me, so this is about me. Uh, Years ago, our daughter was going into high school. We had a new coach there at Briscoe. We got two Briscoe ex-coaches here. It's not either one of them, so don't go throwing rocks at them. And the guy said, well, I didn't know your daughter was left-handed. And I proudly said, she's right-handed. We go out to the gold and I tie her right hand to her side. She dribbles and shoots left-handed layups. What was I doing? I wasn't talking to her about the Lord when we was out there at the gold. We was concentrating on left-handed whatever. Thankfully, her mother uh, took care of the dad's shortcomings. And that's as far as I'll go there. Proverbs 22 and 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. Well-educated people will try to tell you that if you spank your child, you're going to warp their personality. This is a lie. God made us. He breathed in our nostrils a breath of life. He created us. He knows what works on humans. He knows. Punishment is all through the Bible. The flood, they were punished. Sodom and Gomorrah, they were punished. The man picking up sticks on the Sabbath, he was punished. And some of it is, their life was taken. Punishment is throughout the Bible. The day of judgment. 
you're blessed to go to heaven or you're cursed to eternal damnation in hell. There's going to be punishment then too. Punishment works. They've got to be taught. Proverbs 23 and verse 13. Withhold not correction from a child. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. I think we look at this and we think about abuse, beating, beating. I would probably substitute, withhold not the switch from the child. You whip a child with the switch, he will not die. Now I'm not talking about a swat. Every one of you has seen this when the kid said, that didn't hurt. I'm talking about tears and crying. You got to get their attention. They got to res respect your authority. I was in a gymnasium. You see where I was when I was younger. And in the concession area, there's a little boy running through there, and his dad says, Hey, you get in there and sit down. The little boy says, Why? The dad says, Do you want me to show you? He said, No, sir. He went and sat down. He respected that authority that the parents had delivered to him. There has to be obedience to authority taught to the children. Hebrews 12 and verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of the flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? A lot of you have had dads that was pretty rough on you, and you respected them. This says we should give respect to the Heavenly Father because He can give us life eternal. We need to be obedient to Him. That's what really counts. Okay, let's think about your household for a second. Joshua 24 and 15. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Does this describe your home? Is this the way it is at your home? Do people know that? Do you serve the Lord? You know, I've seen plaques of this in people's homes. Ephesians 2 and 19. Now therefore you are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Some of you here have laid some blocks or bricks. Jesus on our building is the foundation. We've got the Disciples, the apostles, all of the people that we see in the Testament building on this church. Then we come to the 1950s. Some of you have grandparents that was instrumental, or great-grandparents. And then you got parents, and it just keeps on going. What I'm telling you is, parents, you are training our future. 
of this church. It depends on you. Okay, let me get your attention on one other thing. Neglect of the parent cannot be straightened out coming to church once a week. If you neglect training your children, we cannot straighten it out just coming to church once a week if you come that often. Think about that. If you want to always have a church to go to, it takes some effort. Okay, God expects obedience from us. 1 Peter 4 and 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Wednesday night, Brother Clyde talked about obeying the gospel and going through the steps. I don't have it up here. I just can't hardly keep from doing it. But it's so important that you know to have your sins forgiven what you do. And we'll do this real simply. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to repent. You know you've done things wrong. Say, I don't want to do things wrong anymore. You've got to be willing to confess before a group that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then you have to be baptized. And we have that available here today. You go down into the water. You're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. When you come up, you don't have sin. And if you can see in the back here, Galatians 3 and 27, for many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You're wearing Christ then. God expects that obedience. Without that, you don't get heaven. That is a step that must be taken. There's no other way around it. God has a right to expect us to, to have integrity. In Matthew 12 and 30, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me scattereth abroad. You're either in or out. If you have Christian integrity, people know you're going to tell the truth. They know you're going to do the right things. You know you're going to be helpful. You're willing to help everybody. That's what integrity is. If you're out of Christ, you don't have to be honest. You don't have to be upright. You don't have to be pure or trustworthy. None of these things have to happen. All right, here's an example. And we won't read all these, but it's in Luke 15. You had a father had two sons. The younger one says, Dad, you're going to die someday. Give me half of the stuff now. And the dad did. You know, if Sean come to me and say, I want half of your stuff, I said, take a hike. No, you ain't going to get it. But this guy, he divided his assets, and the kid went off to a far country and had a party. He wasted all of that in riotous living. It wasn't long he woke up and his friends was gone. He was hungry. He got a job feeding pigs. He still was hungry, so he ate pig feed. He said, i got to go home. It's better than that at home. Just, hey, Father, make me a servant. I'll be your hired hand. But you know, God welcomed him back. Put a robe on him, a ring on his finger. 
and just treated him like a son again. So my question, we've studied about David. He goes out and he said, if God be with me, I'll go fight the giant. Then we got this prodigal son, as we call him. He said, give me, I'm going to have a party. Which scenario are you? Parents, which way do you want your children to go? Let's talk about God's children. When you come up out of that water, you're a child of God. You're in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 5, You're all the children of light and the children of the day. You're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken, are drunken in the night. When I read the word drunken, let's just round that all up into taking a chemical that alters you. Okay? You know, I don't even know the drugs of choice anymore. I'm too old to know that. But I've heard parents say, you know, they're just having their wild fun. They're sowing their wild oats. Farmers, you know what you plant sprouts, right? Okay. Then you'll have others. They're getting it out of their system. I know people that started partaking of things that made them drunken when they was young. They got it in their system. I tell you, that's what happened. They got it in their system. Now they're older. They're addicted. They spend a lot of money on things that altered their mind. Their families suffered. Their body functions don't work like it used to. They got it in their system. And most of the time, it's always in their teenage years. Then when they get it out of their system, they got it in their system. Addiction is horrible. It's hard to break. All right, let's think about this. The Bible tells us to be sober-minded. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Then verse 6, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Sober-minded means to be in your right mind. Be sane. Opposite of insane. I had a friend in high school, and I'm going to tell a little bit of my age, but he uh, said, hey, the Velasquez brothers are having a dance in Wheeler, Texas. You know, this is probably 60 years ago. I'm going to go, and there's this girl. I'm going to dance with her. So the next week at school, I said, well, did you get to dance with whatever the girl's name was? No. I... I got some beer because I was just too bashful to ask her to dance. So after I got liquored up, I went and talked to her. She says, no, I ain't going to dance with you. You smell like beer and cigarettes. Get out of here. So it didn't work. He had to get insane so he could go talk to the girl. It don't work. First Peter 1 and 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and ignorance. When we look at gird up the loins of your mind, that's protect your mind, take care of it. Now I highlighted ignorance. Most of us don't want to be called stupid. But when you are not sober, then you're stupid. Okay? Let me tell you some things. I've heard people say, one time will not hurt. Let me tell you. One time, a girl can be pregnant. One time, a life is created that nobody wants. One time, a life is created that may be put to death through abortion. That's one time. One time, you can be drunken with something, and there's an accident. And then, before you know it, you're dead. You're standing before the Lord to be judged. Or maybe you killed someone in an accident, and you have to live with that. One time and something can happen, someone's paralyzed from the neck down. One time. So don't listen to this stuff. That's a lie when they say one time won't hurt. When they tell you what have you got to lose, you tell them a lot. First Peter 2 and 9. Christians are peculiar. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that have called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. Christians are peculiar in their dress. Their top's not too low. Their bottom's not too short. Their clothes are not too tight. They're peculiar. Christians are peculiar in the way they act. They're kind, they're helpful, they're willing to do anything for you. They're peculiar in their speech. They don't say profanity. You see where I'm going? It shows what Christians do. Let's think about this for a second. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Are you around... People in the world that do worldly things. This verse is, if you are, it rubs off on you. If you're, for instance, let's say you're around people that like to cuss, okay? And they do that a lot. Well, you may not do it right away, but it'll pop in your mind. Then you, before you know it, oops, it pops out your mouth. You've been around it. Guard who you're around. It rubs off. I promise it does. That's why these verses are put here. Look at 1 Corinthians 5 and 11. It's even a little more pointed. But now I've written unto you not to keep company, and if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an adulterer, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one do not eat. What would it hurt to eat with somebody like that? Well, the writer here said that's just too long to be with them during a meal. 
It's too long. Do you know what, under the old law, they did to a fornicator? Under the old law, they took the man and the woman outside the gates, stoned them with rocks till they died. They got rid of evil that way. We have to put our guard up on who we're around. Hebrews 3 and 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and depart from the living God. But exhort one another daily while he's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The take heed is a warning sign. Watch out. You don't want to get involved in this. Be careful. I feel sorry for our young people. In our society, it is just fine to drink anytime, everywhere, anytime you want to. It's just fine for premarital sex. Matter of fact, we got common law marriages in this county. Well, yeah, he's my husband. We never got married, but we live together. We have children together. It's just fine. Gay rights. I mean, I can go on and on. Take heed. This stuff rubs off on you. Be careful is what it's telling us. So, I'm telling you to be prepared. Revelation 22 and 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. We have to be prepared. we got to have a game plan in mind. We need to know where to draw the line. We're going to get encouraged to do things, and you have to say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I can't do that. Have a reason. Young people, say, I can't do that. My mom and dad will beat me. Say, the Bible tells them to. Whatever it takes, say, no, I won't do that. I can't do that. We have a promise. In John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my father's house for many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. This is the promise Jesus has made. So I want you to think about this as we close. Each one of you, let's get a checklist out right now. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you ready to repent and to live after Jesus and not do bad things anymore? Will you come and confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you willing to humble yourself and be obedient to Jesus and be baptized and become a child of God? Will you do that? If you do that, you get that home in heaven if you live faithfully. If you haven't lived faithfully and you went back into the world, 
Be the prodigal son. Just come back and say, I messed up. We'll pray with you and for you, and then you'll be just like you came out of the water. You'll be anew again. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.